So let's get into our shape series. We're almost, uh, this is our last one of this particular series. And uh, pretty exciting. I love to, to wrap uh, something up. And so the first thing we want to do is we'll go in and we'll do our memory verse. So our memory verse for today is Romans 8.28. And it says this, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And uh, it's a very powerful passage because it really talks about our life. That all things, that's your life. And uh, including your environment and all those other things that we're in. That God is working those together. And for the good of those who love him, are called according to the purpose. And who are those? That's you. Uh, that's why we're here today, is we love God and he's called us. What an amazing promise. And we're going to talk about why that's so, such a powerful promise that we're going to need to cling to as we uh, own our, uh, gives us the bravery to face our experiences and to, and to see them in God's hands. So that passage gives us the courage to be able to look at our lives, that all things that's encompassed there. Some of those all things are scary, Right? And we need to have some kind of courage to be able to look at that. You know, the number one reason why people don't believe in God is pain. This is the problem of pain in this world. They see the destruction, the brokenness, and all of this. And they say, well, how could I possibly believe in a God who is all-powerful and all-loving if there's all this pain and all this brokenness around? And of course, there's a lot of really good answers that Scripture gives us to those things. But I think for us as Christians, sometimes we wonder, how can I love God who, who allows difficult things in my life? How can I serve a God who allows difficult things in my life? But the truth is, is that God is working all things together for the good of those who love him, have been called according to his purpose. And I love that truth. It allows me to see my life and the difficult things that I've seen, had and realize that in the midst of that furnace, God has shaped me. First Peter talks about this, that we suffer all kinds of trials, right? And it's being refined like gold, <laughs> right? It is... Our life and our experience is one of the biggest ways that God has shaped us for ministry. We're going to talk about that today as we wrap this whole thing together. And of course, SHAPE is, a, is an acronym. Um, it talks about our spiritual gifts. And so we talked about that the very first week. The second week, we talked about our heart. That's our, uh, our passions for things. And then the A was abilities. And that P was our personality. And all of those things we discussed in our... Uh, uh, over the last couple of weeks. And if you missed any of those messages, you can go to funchurch.com and on there you won't just find the messages. It talks about why those things are important, how God shapes us with that. But there's also tools on there to help you discover what are your spiritual gifts? What are your passions? What's your heart? Right? Because uh, God doesn't want you to serve in an area you're not passionate about. Or how about this? Uh, what, are, what, is your, uh, uh, what are your abilities? Because most of your abilities you just take for granted. Right? Because you do things well and so you don't think about them. It's like... Um, when you first learn to uh, drive a car, you know, if you drive a stick, for those of you who knew that, like when you first learn, like all the time you're thinking about, I have the ability to drive this thing and you're just thinking about now is the time to shift, right? And then later on, you just don't think about it. You just get in the car and you get to point A to point B and you never thought about shifting, but you probably did a ton of times. You have the ability to do lots of things. So we're going to talk about and how did you, or what are your abilities? And so we can identify those to see how God can use us in ministry. And then obviously that personality, I hope you had fun last week with that personality test. Isn't that great? How God doesn't waste personality, how he uses it, how he, he shapes you perfectly for those things. Well, now, today we're going to talk about our experiences. And all these things wrap together and talk about shape. Now, I have with me my tool belt. And, and I'm so, I apologize, I was driving crazy this morning, and all of my tools fell out, so they're not in their normal spot. But uh, in my tool belt, I've got all kinds of great tools. All of them are unique. And you can look at each one and see that they have their own purpose, like like this particular tool. I love this tool because uh, I don't have many tools that I, I like to carry around. 
And this one can shape to any size and not look at that. Isn't that cool? My dad got me that for Christmas one year. It's so cool. I've got all kinds of great tools in this, and all of them are different. You know what would be crazy for me if I had my tool belt and I went around and I just had all of them were the same looking tool? All right, what if I, I just had a bunch of hammers in there? Think I'd be a great electrician? <laughs> right? You know, all of them have their place, right? And everyone is shaped so uniquely, so different. Like, take this for example. This is a Phillips head screwdriver. It is perfect for driving Phillips head screws. This is a standard. Can I use them interchangeably? I've tried, <laughs> right? Have you ever done that? You're like, I just don't have the other one. You try. You can try. Now, you'll notice that this one also isn't just great for, for driving standard things. It's also good as a chisel, which is uh, it's not what it was designed for. I can use it that way, but it uh, boogers it up a little bit, doesn't it? Right? Now, you've been shaped, and there are things that God shaped you to do perfectly, crafted you to do perfectly. And there's other things that you can do in life, but if we do those things too much, like using my screwdriver as a chisel, you can do it, but it'll booger you up a little bit. It'll damage you just a tad. But you end up doing it. I think the problem that we have in church is oftentimes we're, we're a toolbox, and we've got these great tools that God made for us. I mean, he, he shaped us perfectly to do good works. That's what it says we're actually, when we're talking about that in our upcoming series in Ephesians. He shaped you perfectly, but oftentimes we end up being used in areas that we can do, but we weren't designed for. It ends up making us frustrated. It ends up making us damaged even sometimes. And we can get the job done, but at what cost? The thing is that we're not in this alone, right? We, God called us together. And you know, there's another tool here that you may not have noticed, but it's this one. It's just the actual bag. This is an important tool. Imagine trying to carry all this around just in my pockets, <laughs> right? Uh, I would carry one or maybe one or two tools and I wouldn't have the right thing that I needed. You know, God calls us together and he brings us together so at the right time and the right way, we'll all be able to be used. And scripture says that when the body does that, the whole body is, is growing, is filled with love. Isn't that a cool thing? That's what he wants from us. See, God shaped us as a church perfectly to do his work in the community. He's designed us perfectly to fulfill his commission. In fact, he's done a lot more than that. But just to begin with, he started with, he made us perfectly. He shaped this congregation, this church, with exactly the right people, with exactly the right skills, with exactly the right histories and the shapes and all that kind of stuff to do exactly what he wants to do. Now, how do, how do we work that together? Well, I think it begins with we have to understand who we are. How was I meant to be used in ministry? And that's what we've been talking about. And the day we're going to talk about one of the most influential factors in our life, and that is the E, that is experience. Our experiences, part of that is just the world that we grow up in. That it is our environment. That is a huge part of it. I mean, your experience in life being born in, in the United States in the 21st century has been different than, say, if you were born in the Middle East in the 18th century, right? That's part of how God shapes us. Even if you are the exact same person, right? Same spiritual gifts, same heart, right? Same passions, you had the same abilities, even if it's the exact same personality, but I put you in an entirely different environment. Say you were brought up in, under communist China. I bet there would be a little bit different. You, your, your expression in this world, how God would use you, would be a little bit different than in your life today, right? Our experience matters. Our environment matters. It's also true that what we go through in life, somebody who has gone through a certain trauma, 
is now different than that very same person had they gone through a different trauma, <laughs> right? What we've gone through in life shapes us. It changes us. And believe me, that passage that we read about in Romans 8 talks about there's purpose in those things. God is using our life to prepare us for ministry. And so that's part of what uh, our experience. We're going to look at our experience today. So the first thing I want you to see about experience is this, is that our experiences, my experiences, shape me. There's a passage that we did memorize. It's in Romans 8. And, and let me give you just the context of, of what he's saying. Right before, in, in Romans 8, Paul is talking about the, uh, basically the deep theologies of life. And he's giving people a context to understand this world. Right, the first part of, of Romans, he's talking about our need for God and then what he's done for us. And now he's getting to that point of saying, what is his perspective? How is God working in our life? And in verse 18, this is a little before, about 10 verses before uh, our memory verse, he says this, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Do you understand what that means? That we're not living for this life. That even the worst things that we suffer now are like, are small potatoes compared to what God has coming, what he's building, right? And, and so we see that he's got a purpose in this life. In fact, he goes on to say, for this creation waits an eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. This is his purpose. I mean, the end game is great for us, but not only that, the purpose of all this whole thing, this whole game that we're part of is God is revealing who his children are. And it's going to happen. It says, for the creation was subjected to frustration and not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought to the freedom and the glory of the children of God. History is not just marching off a cliff. History is marching on to glory. And we are part of that. You are part of that. God designed you, called you purposefully right now to be part of that. You are helping bring about God's will. Isn't that great? He's doing it. And so then we get to our passage and it says, so we know that in all things God is working for the good of those who love him and called according to his purpose. It goes back to God's sovereignty and his love. And God is at work in your life. And if God is at work in your life lovingly for a good purpose, then the things that he's allowing in your life have good purpose and they shape you. He's designed it that way. And that's not saying that all things are good because all things aren't good. That's not what that passage means when all things God calls all, uses all things together for the good of those. He's not saying that all things are good. There's a lot of bad things. If you read that passage, it says, for this whole world was subject to frustration. There are bad things in this world. And a lot of us have suffered very bad things. And I'm not going to stand up here and say that the things you suffered are in any way good. They're not. Uh, we have people that in our congregation who have suffered all kinds of horrible, horrible things. And, and there is no way that we would say, well, that's a, a valuable thing, that this maybe was even uh, God's will to allow, uh, that God wanted to have those bad things happen to you. God's desire was that we would never have come to, to pain in the first place. But those bad things God allowed to have happen, and once we turned our life to God, he's able to use them. And he uses them, every single one of them, for something powerful. You know, most, uh, over half the people in this room, statistically, have been the victim of some type of, of horrible thing. Whether it has been an, uh, an assault, or rape, 
or molestation or if you have been abused or abandoned. A lot of people carry around a lot of big pain. And we don't know what to do with that pain. Now remember that passage says that that God works together all things for the good of those who love him. There is a qualifier there. Before we come to Christ, all those things that we suffer in this life, they're not being used for good. Most of the suffering in this world, for most people aren't believers, don't do anything of value. They just add to the brokenness of this world, don't they? It's irredeemable or irredeemed suffering. And that's why the non-believer can look into this world and say, how can a loving God allow all of this? Well, a loving God is not going to impose himself. He's not going to force his will upon people who don't want to have his will in their life. That's what free will is all about. And so if you haven't come to God, you're still holding on to your brokenness and your suffering, and God isn't using that right now. And so it can. It can bring to your own destruction and your own pain and all that kind of things. And, it, and for a lot of people, most people, the majority according to what Scripture says, they live in this world in a broken world and get beat up by this world and they die in this world without hope and without any type of redemption. And that's tragic and it's unnecessary. You see, that God works together all things for the good of those who love him, that's the, for those who love him. The moment we bend a knee to God, we say to Christ, your will not mine my life. Right? I accept your forgiveness. When we, when we come to him and make him the Lord of our life and the Savior of our life, the very first thing that God does after saving us and washing us is he uses that brokenness, that pain, and he transforms us in the midst of it. We look all the way through scripture and you'll find people who have suffered things, right? And then once they turn to God, over and over and over again, God's using. Look at this, this man who was born blind. I love this story. And back in then, uh, w- when Jesus walked the earth, there never had been a person that had been cured once they, if they were born blind. No prophet had ever cured a, a person that was born blind. Some prophets had raised people from the dead by God's grace, but no one had ever healed a man born blind. And so there was this man that was born blind, and, and the people thought, well, if you were born blind, either that person was, had a dark soul and God knew it and he was punishing them in advance, or that their parents did something awful and he was punishing their parents or their grandparents for some horrible sin they had done because we try to justify things, don't we? And so they go, they take this man to Jesus and they say, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And, and what does Jesus do? He says, neither. But it was for God's glory that this man had been born blind. And then he heals the man and he has sight. And all of a sudden this man is able, not only is he excited and he brings glory to God, <laughs> right? He points people to, to, to God. His blindness becomes the very thing. Most of us aren't, won't have our names recorded in scripture, right? right? Our, our, our stories won't be told throughout the eons. This man's was. It was his brokenness that God used. It's what shaped him. But he only used it once he came to Jesus. You have brokenness. You have pain. Right? We have these difficult things in our life and we recognize that not all these things are good. It's not good to be blind. It's not good to have been injured. It's not good to have been abandoned. It's not good to have those things that happen in our life. But if they happen, once we come to God, he uses it. We have to allow him to do that. And once God is at work in our life, all of those things, every single one of them is shaping us. Every single one. I'll tell you, I I watched a, a video once when my son was little. Let me see the tool. It's this one right here. Um, uh, how it's made. You ever seen that show? How it's made, um, how stuff's made. Thomas loved that show. 
And these are uh, uh, some tools, wiring tools that are made by a, a Klein. And so they showed how they made these, right, from the very beginning when they started making the steel and all of that. It's really fascinating because they don't just gently, like, just form steel, right? I mean, it, it gets super hot and melts it and all that kind of stuff. And then they, they wipe off the stuff that's over the top and they get this really pure steel and all that kind of stuff. And then they temper it. And then they bring it down to what it's supposed to be and they pound it into like the shape it's supposed to be and they dip it into all kinds of different things that are cool and then hot and then cool and then hot. And it is not a pleasant experience for this if it could feel. It's being bent. It's being beaten. It's being all that kind of stuff. When it comes out, this is such a great tool. <laughs> you know, God is at work in your life. And all those things. And he is working for your good and preparing you for things to work. So the second thing that we have I want you to get from this is that my experiences then prepare me. All of your experiences are, are doing something powerful. Second Corinthians uh, verse, uh, or chapter 1, starting in verse uh, th- two, uh, or 3, it says this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those who are uh, with the trouble that we ourselves have been received from God. Now, he writes that in a really like a messes up our lips when we try to read it, right? Not because it was written in Greek, right? But the idea is this. I, when I suffer pain, I receive God's comfort in this. When God's using his, his grace enters my life and now he's using that for my good, all of a sudden I receive his, his mercy, it prepares me then to be able to, to offer that same kind of mercy to other people that suffer those things. So a couple of years ago, um, my wife and I were really struggling. Of course, all the medical bills. She was, she was at that time was really bad when she was in the hospital like more days than she was out of the hospital. Remember how fun that was? And so it was a couple months after that that all of a sudden all those bills started coming in and it was just, it was crushing. It was just, I was freaked out, all those kinds of things. And, and uh, somebody came to me with a really great uh, brother in Christ who had never gone through any type of financial crisis or anything like this and was trying to give me encouragement or advice, right? And it just made me angry, to be honest with you. I mean, we want to punch him in the face because I'm like, you have no idea, right? Because he's like, oh, don't worry about it. God will provide. I'm like, where is he providing right now, <laughs> right? Like, I was freaked out. And it wasn't that what he was saying wasn't true. It's that there was... No frame of reference for, that, for my brother in Christ to draw from, to have any idea what I was coming through. And so there wasn't that level of compassion. And because of that, it was hard for me to hear anything he had to say. And then I had somebody else come to me who I knew had walked through that and had gone through the midst of that same despair and had come out the other side and gave me very similar advice, but it was received so much better <laughs> Because they were a testimony of hope. They were proof to me that God could could carry me through something difficult because I could see it. They were the testimony of God's faithfulness. Right? It was their suffering that equipped them, prepared them perfectly to speak to me in my need like no one else could. You see, God used their past in order to powerfully help me in my present. You know, I haven't suffered all things but in our congregation, we've suffered all kinds of things, haven't we? Which means that there's people, you out there, are far more qualified to serve in certain areas than I am. You are far more qualified to minister to some people than I am. And that's by God's design. I wasn't meant to be the minister to everybody. I was meant to be your shepherd. 
But God has not just called you to be a minister. He's equipped you for it. Those difficult things that you've gone through have qualified you to care. The hardships in your life that you have endured and you've seen God be able to carry you through, those very things are what give you the, his, <laughs> his stamp of, of preparedness, approval to go and to serve in his name. Isn't that amazing? You are being shaped. You have been shaped. You are far more qualified than anybody else in this room to serve in some areas. Isn't that great? Because of what God has done. Now the question isn't, are you called to serve? Are you called to be a minister? The question really is, are we going to have the courage to do it? Because most of us believe this, this horribly wrong thing that the only reason that, the only way that a person should be called to serve is in their strength. But it doesn't work like that. Right? If I say, well, I've never messed up or I've never had the problem or I've never had those things, that's what qualifies me to serve. No, it's the redemption that qualifies you to serve. And how great is that? In fact, in Scripture it says it is not in our strength that we find the power, right? But it is in our weakness. It is in the time when we've seen God come into our life because the world really doesn't need you. It needs God. And they need to see God's fingerprints in your life and that comes through your experience. Isn't that great? Now, it's not just the hardships in life that God uses. It's the good things too. Some of you have gone through great marriages, great families, had incredible, really good things that happened in your life as well. God is also using those things. They bring hope. <laughs> they bring joy, right? It's just that God is using all things, good and bad, in your life to shape you, prepare you perfectly. And the question is, are you going to use those, those experiences? Are you going to use them for his purposes? Or are you just going to sit down? You know my, my very favorite, my, my, actually my most, fav- my most valuable tool, do you know what my most valuable tool in this whole thing is? It's the one I need. <laughs> right? I mean, if I'm going to nail some, uh, I got this one. But if I want to put a screw in, this is not a very valuable tool. <laughs> the most valuable tool is the one I need. You know the most second valuable tool in my tool pouch is? It's the one I'm using. Right? Because sometimes I can't find the tool I need. And so sometimes I use this one as my hammer because I always forget to put my hammer back. And so I use it as a hammer and it actually knocks nails in pretty good. If you're being used, you're valuable. Right? Do you know what my least valuable tool is? It's the one that's never been used. Right? It actually costs me money to buy it and then it just sits on my wall. God designed you to be valuable. You know what my second least valuable tool is? The one I can't find. <laughs> we're together in this, aren't we? We're, we're called to be together. That's what the, the tool pouch is the church. We're called to be together in this. And God designed you to be valuable. He made you for work. You'll notice that my tools all have signs of wear. You're supposed to show signs of wear. We're supposed to be out and working. And when you're not here, you're missing... <laughs> I tell you what, when, we, when we're being used in God's hands, it's a valuable thing, isn't it? Another thing about these tools is there's a difference between uh, whose hands they're in, right? My dad is a master electrician. I never got to that level. Dad can take those same tools and do so much more than I can. <laughs> you are in the hands of God. He's a master. And he will use you to do great things in this world, but you have to let him. You have to be there. You have to be ready, and that's what we're going to be doing. So how do we find out what our experiences are so we know how he shaped us? Let's talk about some of these things. The very first thing that you need to do 
is you can, that first one is to look at your painful experiences. Why? Painful experiences are a great first place to go because that's what we're most scared of. We don't want to think about the painful things in our past. But I'll tell you, once you've come to God, he has redeemed those and he is redeeming those, right? These can be things that have happened to you and these can be stupid things that you've done. God can redeem all things and he does. He works all things together for the good of those who love him and called according to his purpose. So look at your painful experiences. List them down right? Some of them right now you may not want to even think about. You've been, spent so much of your time in your life just putting blocks around them so you wouldn't have to think about them. It's time to stop living in the anxiety of the past and give the past to God. List it. Those things are the very things that are preparing you and equipping you for ministry that he has for you. List them down. The second thing that we want to do is look at our educational experiences. Not everyone has the same opportunities as others. This is part of the environment. Right? You've learned skills, not just in the classroom, although classroom, that's, that's a huge part of it. You've learned things in life that you can do. Right? I learned how to do some electrical work, and so occasionally I can help somebody. I change out a light bulb or something like this or fix a switch. Right? I have never learned how to do trim carpentry. Never. Right? So if you ask me, you say, hey, Aaron, can you help me with the trim carpentry? I'd be like, I can work on trim carpentry. I don't know if you'll call it help. Right? I haven't been educated, so I would probably cause more trouble. But there have been other people who have that skill, right? And they can help you. Well, look at your experiences. Look at what you've been trained to do. God can use those things. So list them down. What have you been trained to do? And then we talked about a couple weeks ago, uh, even things that your vocational skills, God can use in ministry, absolutely. So list them down. What have you been trained to do? The uh, third thing you want to look at is this, your ministry experiences, in your life, maybe if, if you've been walking with Christ for a while, you've had opportunity to serve him. And I'm sure that you've had some positive ministry experiences, things that you've done that you felt alive in, things that went well, that you really enjoyed. And there probably are things that, you, that didn't go so well. Right? Maybe you, you were a screwdriver being used as a chisel and you got the job done, but it was painful and, and you didn't enjoy it. That's also a good experience to learn from. List it down, figure out what, what have you done and what worked and what didn't. Now, we also create a tool. This is the next thing that I, I want to encourage you to do, and that's this, our Heart to Serve survey. And that Heart to Serve survey actually ties in everything. So if you go online and you take that survey, I want you to have all of your information for the last five weeks because it'll help you fill it out faster and let you know that you spent some time thinking about your spiritual gifts, your, your passions, your abilities, your, your personality and experience. And it'll put all of those things together, and it'll give me a report. And so um, those will be able to, to kind of help read and see that whole picture of what you're doing and then the last thing a tool that we can do to evaluate your experiences then come in for a ministry interview you know uh, you go to see a doctor once a year right for a checkup kind of make sure you're on the right track you know so they can remind you that you probably should you know do a little more exercise and eat better right that's what we do how much more important is we also get a spiritual checkup to have somebody else come and take a look at where you are where you are in life and to say am i serving where i'm supposed to be what's going right what's broken right and so if you take that heart to serve survey, I would then challenge you to come in and make an appointment and, and let's have a ministry. Let's look at who you are, how God shaped you to be so that we can help you connect with God, the ministry that God has prepared you for. And it's just a great way that we would love to serve you. So I, those are some tools there to help evaluate your experience. And so now as we bring this message to the, a close, this whole series really to a close, I want you to take out that connection card that you have. And I misplaced, well, here it is. And here's some on the back side. If you take that out on the back side, there's some things that I want to challenge you to do. Uh, this week, commitments. 
And the first one is to memorize uh, Romans 8.28. Right? And the reason I want you to memorize that is because it's going to take courage to look at your past. Right? There's going to be a lot of things in your past that you're going to look at and say, and you can get mad at God again <laughs> about I had to go through these things or why did I have to suffer this or all that kind of stuff. Having the truth of God is going to give us the courage to be able to face our past. Right? It's an important thing. So I'm encourage you, memorize Romans 8.28. And there's a memory verse card in your, your bulletin today. You want to put that in your pocket, your wallet, your purse, tape it to the back of your phone, whatever. Go to it and remind yourself of this, that God is at work in your life. Or, and the second thing I'm going to challenge you to do is read Romans 8. Get the full context of this. You cannot read as a Christian Romans 8 and not end up excited, right? God is at work right now, and he is coming back, and his great things are happening. And it is so important for us to remember the context of reality. We are so far from being hopeless. <laughs> read Romans 8. Because when you see the big picture, the context of which God is, is asking you to serve in, you begin to see his hand and his way. And, and that helps us to cooperate with his work in our life. So I challenge you this week, read Romans 8. Get that context. I'm also going to challenge you. Take that Art to Serve survey. Every week we've asked you to do one more thing, right, to kind of help find your place. Remember, my least valuable tool is the one I don't use. How can you be used if you have no idea how God shaped you? So go through and finish this up. Finish strong. Let's finish, uh, figure out, get that whole picture. How did God design you? And then the last commitment there is to come in for a ministry interview. Say, hey, I'm going to do it. Now, there's a lot of people, and there's like one of me, and I'm going to train some others to help with this. So it'll take a little while, but we're going to get you in. We want to make sure that we help you connect in ministry. So, so commit to that. I would challenge you to do. Something else. There's another thing. Next week, and I'm really excited about this, we begin a brand new series. And you have a, a card right here for it. It is, it is Ephesians, Building a Community of Grace. Been working on this for months. This is a powerful book. We talked about how God has shaped you for ministry. Starting next week, for six weeks, we're going to talk about how God, we can put ourselves in the master's hand. Uh, how God can use us, bring us together in this community of grace. It's an amazing thing. Now, the reason you have this card is not just to tell you about the, the, uh, the upcoming series. This is also a great invite. If there's somebody you've been praying for thinking, hey, listen, they need, maybe they're outside of fellowship. They need God's love. They need to find their purpose in life. You know what? This is a great tool to be able to use. Say, hey, you know what? My church is starting a new, ser- my, a new service or a new uh, uh, a sermon series. We'd love you to join us. We're talking about how to build a community of grace, things like this. It has information about it. talks about our, our church, website, all that kind of stuff. It's just a tool for you to be able to use, to be able to invite, but also lets you know what works coming up. That's not really a commitment, but it's enough thing to let you know, listen, as you fill out these commitments, know that now that we figure out how we're made for ministry, it's time for us to figure out how we work together in ministry. So that's what we'll be doing. It's good stuff. All right, so as you fill those out, um, if you have any prayer requests, please write those on the back as well. We'd love to pray for you. Actually, I, I do. I really do love to pray for you and know how to pray for you. So we'll be taking those. In a couple of seconds, we'll be having our, uh, taking our offering. As we take our offering and you put your tithes and offerings in the basket, please take that connection card and put it in the offering basket as well. Uh, we would sure appreciate that. And as uh, we prepare to do that, if you wouldn't mind, just, just pray with me as we pray for our offering and for our commitments. Let's go to God. Father God, I thank you that you are, you are sovereign and you are powerful and that you are at work today. And Lord, that all of eternity is not just in your hands, but also, Father, that you are working it out for our good and, Father, for your glory. And that gives me great hope, especially if I look at the world the way it is today. I see how broken it is, 
And uh, Lord, sometimes it can lead to despair. But I look again to your word and I look to you and who you are and I realize that there is really no reason for despair. That you're working all things together for the good of those who love you, who have been called according to your purpose. Father, that we know that what is coming is so great that even the worst things in this world will pale in comparison to the greatness of that which is about uh, (laughs) what we're about to experience. So, Father God, let us be a church that is about your work, working for those eternal things. Let us not be discouraged by what we see, but let's trust in you, a God who we know is real. And, Father, as we follow you, as we keep these commitments, as we find our place in ministry, Father, I pray that you will you will do good things, just as you promised to in your word. That for those who are lost, they would be found. For those who are hurting, Father, they would be comforted. Father, for those that are lonely, that, Father, they would find fellowship and love. Father, that the light of the gospel will shine forth here in Estes Park, and there will not be one person in this valley who doesn't know who Christ is and what he's done for him. Father, that your will will be done in our life, just as much as it is in heaven and father as we make these commitments i pray that you would bless them help us to keep those commitments don't just make us do things but father i pray that you transform us even as we obey you father to be just your vessels of light and goodness lord as we also um, as we put our commitments in the basket we give them to you we also father we pray for our offerings and our tithes thank you for always taking care of us i ask that you would use these gifts powerfully to build your kingdom. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.